Welcome to the Roxborough Church Podcast. For more resources and information, visit RoxboroughChurch.org. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. Praise the Lord, everybody. Welcome to our 10th United Worship Service. So glad you can join us. So excited to bring to you our continuation of our series, The Purpose Behind the Power. Look, we're going to move right into it. I I pray that your day is well. I pray that the presence of the Lord is with you. Just pray with me so that we can move on with the service. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for your ever-presence. We thank you, Lord, for loving on us, Lord. We thank you for your word this morning, your worship, Father. Stir up our hearts and our minds to receive from you a joyful heart of praise and that we can receive a worship, Lord, experience today like never before. And we thank you, Lord, for your presence in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Friends, I'm so glad that you're with us during this time of worship. And uh, as we've been singing songs, we're, we're at that point in the service when it comes time to, to just kind of set and say, thank you, God. And one of the ways that we traditionally do that in worship is we take time to gather our hearts before the Lord and then to give to God that in which he has first given to us. And so I want to invite you now. There's a, there's a spot that you can click here on the screen and you can uh, go ahead and, and give your gifts, your tithes, your offerings to the Lord. Now, if you're from one of our churches, I want to invite you to do that by, uh, by giving to the church that you came, that you're a part of. If you're a part of Watershed or Wissahickon or from Roxborough Church, then you can give in that direction. If you're new to us and you, 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 you're not from any of our churches and you just want to just go ahead and click any of those links and just go ahead and make your gift to the Lord. But what I really want to say to you more than anything is it's more than just saying, God, here's my money. It's about saying, God, you're first in my life. So more than anything during this time, would you, would you pause with us and would you give thanks to God and would you just yield and say, God, everything I have is yours? And maybe you've never done that before and here this morning during this hour of worship, maybe this will be the moment for you to say, God, it's yours. Everything is yours. So as you, can, as, as you uh, commit in your heart and in your mind what you'd like to give to the Lord today, I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer. Pray with me. Father, we thank you. We thank you for a chance to sing songs to you. We thank you for a chance to to prepare our hearts for uh, a time of of, of learning and growing in our faith. But God, we also thank you for a chance to, to respond to you, to give to you. So God, the the church buildings may be closed, but the church is more open than it's ever been. So I pray, Lord God, that each one of us, as we give to you today our gifts, our tithes, our offerings, God, I pray that you would use them in a great way, further the reach of the gospel, extend the ministry of the local church, bless those who the church seeks to reach out to. God, for every one of us, thank you. Thank you for the blessings you've given us that we're even able to turn around and give back to you today. So God, we honor you with these gifts. We pray that you would use them in a mighty way. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Hey kids, Pastor Ricky back at it again with our Kids Challenge for our series Go. Listen, I'm excited to join back with you. Uh, come grab your siblings and join me in front of the TV as we uh, continue our series on what it means to go. So kids, we're going to jump right into it today. I know you guys have learned a lot from our friends Carl and Cassie, and so I'm excited to join uh, Carl and Cassie once again, and so uh, let's see what they have in store for us today. Hi there, little chicken nuggets. It's me, Carl. Welcome to Grow TV. Welcome to Grow TV. Introducing your host, Carl. And your co-host, Cassie. Where we learn, where we grow, and we talk about Jesus. Once again, welcome to Grow TV. Welcome, kiddos. Hope you're having a wonderful day. I've recently gotten some letters from you, little chicken nuggets. I'm going to take some time to answer some questions. It's mail time. <laughs> Alrighty, letter number one. Matt asks, hey Carl, how long can you hold your breath? <laughs> well, let's find out. <laughs> okay, well that didn't go as planned. <laughs> And now my head hurts. Number two. Samantha asks, hey Carl, if you could be any animal in the world, what animal would you want to be? Well, Samantha, I've always wanted to be a flamingo, or a gorilla, a wildebeest, a North African crane, a red sparrow, Mongolian honey badger, or shoot crab. But obviously, if I had to choose one, it'd probably be a house cat. Hmm. Yeah. Last but not least, letter number three. I have a feeling this is gonna be a good one. Alex says, dear Carl, your face stinks. <laughs> hey Carl, how you doing? Not so good. I don't want to talk about it. Carl, it's okay. You can tell me. What happened? Well, I was sitting there opening up fan mail. And someone said something that really got me sad. Oh, that's terrible. What did it say? I don't know if I could talk about it. Okay, can you act it out? Okay. Your face? <laughs> Your face stinks? Yes. Yes! <coughs> oh, wow, that's really mean. I bet they were just kidding. Your face doesn't really stink. By the way, why are you wearing so many sweaters? Because I'm protecting my heart. Your heart? Yes. That main letter made my heart hurt. So I'm wearing all these vests for extra protection. Carl, I'm not sure it works that way. Sure it does. Try and hurt me. I really don't want to do that. Come on. I want you to. No, I really... Do it! No. Do it! Fine. Oh!
come on, Carl, I'm sorry. But I do think you can learn from this. How? Well, in Philippians, it says God will guard our hearts and our minds. Really? Really. God loves you so much, Carl. He promises to protect our minds and especially our hearts, even though they might hurt sometimes. <laughs> wow. That's really good news. It is, and God means it. So how do you feel now? I mean, better. It still hurts. But I am starting to get sweaty, so. I bet. Say, how do you know about that verse? God says to keep his words on our hearts. So to remember God's words, I must read them. So every day, I try to read the Bible. You do it every day? I try. Sometimes I forget, but that's okay, as long as I keep trying. That's good to know. Yep, and when we get to know God better through the Bible, the more we can trust, he's gonna protect our hearts and our minds. So God will protect our hearts and mine? <gasps> Whoa, that's our big idea. Today's big idea is this. God will protect our hearts and our mind. So let's all say it together on three. One, two, three. God will protect our hearts and our mind. Well, good job, guys. Good job, Cassie. Thanks, Carl. Oh. So guys, as you saw um, Cassie demonstrate, a vest will not protect your heart, but God has given us ways in order to protect our heart when we're feeling afraid, when we're anxious, or worried about anything. And the passage that they were actually kind of talking from comes from Philippians chapter four, verse six through eight. So let's read that together. It says this, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. With thankful hearts, offer your prayers and requests to God then because you belong to Christ Jesus, God will bless you with peace that no one can completely understand. And this peace will control the way you think and feel. Finally, my friends, keep your minds on whatever is true, pure, right, holy, friendly, and proper. Don't ever stop thinking about what is truly worthwhile and worthy of praise. And so in that passage, God outlines, or Paul for us from God, outlines three things in order to protect our hearts, right? That work better than a vest. The first thing is talk to God, which is prayer, right? We can give God our problems whenever we're feeling worried or afraid. We can talk to God and say, hey God, I'm feeling afraid. Please help me and God will help us, right? The second thing is to thank God. Uh, I remember so many times when I was worried or afraid, um, when I uh, remembered the ways that God had come through for me before and had helped me, it actually encouraged my heart to trust God that he could help me again. And so second thing is thank God. And the last thing is to think godly. And what does that mean? That means that the what we listen to, what we watch, and all the things that we fill our brains can actually affect the way that we feel. And Paul tells us in verses uh, 8 of that passage that, we should fill our minds with good things, right? Whatever is truthful, whatever is lovely, whatever is joyful, and basically all that to say uh, the things of God, God's promises, and, and the right things. And so when we fill our minds with those things, God helps us and protects our heart when we're afraid and when we're feeling anxious, right? And really quickly, uh, just a demonstration of how this works in real life, right? This is a soda can and sometimes we're afraid and we feel anxious and we're worried, right? And so that uh, kind of builds up pressure in our hearts, right? We feel anxious, we feel afraid, and this pressure begins to build up, right? But when we do those things that Paul outlined in that passage, that we begin to uh, talk to God and then we begin to uh, thank God, and then we begin to think godly, and we do that over and over and over again. Man, like something begins to happen in our hearts. Uh, slowly, we begin to feel less worried, less anxious, and less concerned about our problems, 
and check out guys how this helps us in our time. So check that out. Usually, you guys know when you shake up a can of Coke, that thing explodes if you were to open it. But because uh, we did that thing, we hit all the air bubbles out, that allowed the pressure to dissolve. And that's like our, us when we take those things to God. We uh, talk to God, we thank God, and we think godly thoughts. Man, the fear and anxiety melt away and we can uh, live our lives uh, the way God wants us to and be able to go for Jesus like he desires to. And so I hope that encourages you guys today. Let me pray for us and um, I will see you guys next week. Uh, thank you, God, for our time together. Thank you for the fact that we can take our fears and anxieties to you in prayer. God, that we can um, uh, thank you and remember uh, the ways that you've come through, Father, and we can also uh, fill our minds with godly and good things. God, help us to do that this week um, as we go for you and that that would show people uh, your power through us. Um, and God, bless this morning's sermon and that it would encourage us too. God, we love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Kids, thanks so much for listening. I will see you next week. I love you. Peace. Good morning. Really happy to be here with you today. And uh, just before I dive into the sermon, I just want to say a big thank you to the worship team. Uh, the people who have been playing week in and week out, uh, say a big thank you to our videographers. These two ladies have been doing uh, a ton of work and really good job. We have a sound crew back there. Uh, we have someone who does editing of all these videos and uploads it onto social media and YouTube uh, so that you can enjoy a worship service at home while we're in this stay-at-home order. And there's just a lot that goes into it. So I, I just thought it was really important for us to just take a minute and to thank them for all that they do. Um, uh, to help us out and to help bring you a worship experience every week that you can participate in with your family. So I just want to encourage you to do something real quick. Like if you're watching through Facebook or, you know, uh, or you're on YouTube, man, if there's a comment section, man, just, if you don't mind, just drop a comment in there thanking everyone who works behind the scenes to make this happen every single week. We all kind of had to learn on the fly uh, 10 weeks ago, and, and you know, we're, we're doing it. So if you don't mind just letting them know how much you appreciate them, because I know I sure do. Now, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7, we're going to be in verses 1 through 10, and we're continuing our series, second sermon in our series of the purpose behind the power. And we're looking at the miracles of Jesus Christ. And, and today we're looking at the faith of the centurion. And I'm just going to real quick sum up the story for you. The story ends, the centurion had a servant who was sick and ill, and he loved his servant, and he heard about Jesus. And so he sent word to Jesus, can you heal my servant? And spoiler alert, Jesus heals the servant. And, uh, and so, so that's, that's what happens. But we're going to talk a little more about it than that. And the, the purpose of my sermon today, the title is Living a victorious life. Living a victorious life. You know, um, sometimes, I, in fact, if I'm just going to be really transparent and really real with you right now, even though I may not know you, like we may be meeting for the first time through, through technology, like I'm somewhere up in the cloud on Wi-Fi and you're downloading me. I, I, sometimes I don't feel like I'm living a victorious life. In fact, the past week or two, if I'm going to be honest, I probably haven't been living a victorious life. And, and that's not what God has for me, and that's not what God has for you. I, I feel like with this stay-at-home order, with the coronavirus pandemic that's happening, there's just this kind of general sense of annoyance 
that is starting to settle. Like, maybe it's just me, I don't know, but like over my household, like there's just this kind of general sense of annoyance. We've all been around each other just a little too much. Like, my kids are annoyed with me. They're a little annoyed with each other. I'm a little annoyed with them. My wife and I sometimes look at each other like, what you talking about? Like, we, you know, there's just kind of this, this general sense. We're all getting a little cabin fever. We're ready to get out. The weather's getting nice. And, man, we just, that sense of annoyance is starting to kind of gain a foothold. At least it has been in my life. And I, and I kind of wonder if it's not gaining a foothold in your life. And I know that the longer I struggle with something, the more I start to feel defeated in my life. There's a truth as I was just working on this sermon that God really impressed on my heart. Did you know that you or me were not created to live a crushed and deflated, defeated life? Some of you may be convinced otherwise, but the truth of the matter is God has created you to live a victorious life. Romans chapter 5, verse 17 says, If by one man's trespass death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive the overflow of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? You see, the battle was lost by Adam in the Garden of Eden, but the war was won by Jesus on the cross. And with that victory today, you and I are going to see how we can live a victorious life. And really, it comes down to two words, kingdom authority, kingdom authority. So if you have your Bibles, and if not, the words will be on the screen. Look at Luke chapter 7, verses 1 through 10. It says this, when he had concluded, that's he being Jesus, when he had concluded saying all this to the people who were listening, he entered Capernaum. A centurion servant, who was highly valued by him, was sick and about to die. When the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent some Jewish elders, Jewish elders to him, requesting him to come and save the life of his servant. When they reached Jesus, they, placed with him, they pleaded with him earnestly, saying, He is worthy for you to grant this, because he loves our nation and has built us a synagogue. Jesus went with them. And when he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to tell him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, since I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. That is why I didn't even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man placed under authority, having soldiers under my command. I say to this one, go, and he goes. And I say to another, come, and he comes. To my servant, do this, and he does it. Jesus heard this and was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd, following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found so great a faith even in Israel. When those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the servant in good health. Kingdom authority is the secret to living a victorious life. Kingdom authority is a secret to living a victorious life. Now, authority is the official legal right to act. It's the official legal right to act. And you may say, Eric, where does authority come from? Well, I'm glad you asked that question because I'm going to tell you right now. The first thing we see is that authority comes from God. 
authority comes from God. How do we know that this is true? Let me, let me give you two verses of Scripture that describe God's authority. The first one, most of you, even if you're not really familiar with Church of the Bible, you've probably heard it. The first one's Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, I could spend a lot of time defending the premise of creation, but I will just simply say this. Nothing ever comes from nothing. Zero times zero will always equal zero. You look at a building. I'm standing in a building right now, a building that some of you are quite familiar with. Others of you have never seen it, but I'm standing in a building right now. But you can look at a building and know that there was a builder because the building is proof of the existence of a builder. Ipso facto, as night follows day, you can look at creation and know that there's a creator because creation is proof of a loving creator. Only a fool would deny the creation of the universe by God. In fact, the book of Proverbs puts it this way. It says that the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. You see, God created everything, and by proxy, everything is under his authority and dominion because he possesses the earth and all that is within it. The second verse is Romans 13.1. Let everyone submit to governing authorities, since there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are instituted by God. You see, God is supreme, and all authority is His. Now, this is really important to grasp in our lives, because if we don't get this right, the rest of life falls out of order. Like, it's just this little bitty tidbit But we have to know that all authority comes from God. If not, we start listening to a different authority, and we may start our journey off just a little bit off base. But 100 days from now, 10 years from now, 30 years from now, if we follow that path where we don't acknowledge that all authority comes from God, we're going to be way far away from where God is. And we don't want to find ourselves there because that is not where the victorious life is lives. Authority comes from God. The second thing is Jesus has authority. Jesus has authority. In Matthew 28, Jesus says that all authority in heaven and earth have been given to me. We, we preached about that just a couple weeks ago, and we, and we talked about it. John 10, 18 says this, that no one takes it from me, talking about Jesus's life, but I lay it down on my own. I have the right to lay it down And I have the right to take it up again. I've received this command from my Father. And Luke 10, 17 says that the 72 returned with joy. Jesus had sent out 72 disciples and gave them commands to to preach in his name. He said the 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. You see, Jesus has been given authority by God the Father. And if Jesus has authority, we have his same authority if we follow him and we submit to him. It's proof by those disciples who went out and came back rejoicing because even the demons listened to them in Jesus' name. But you see, the authority is connected to Jesus Christ. That's where that authority comes from. The third thing is, is Jesus has victory. So we have victory. Hebrews 1.3, 
puts it this way. It says, the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of his nature, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of majesty on high. You see, Jesus died on the cross for your sins and for my sins. But he doesn't stay in the grave. He's not there now. We talked about that Easter, right? That's, that's the whole celebration of Easter is that Jesus conquered death. And so, so now Jesus sits on the throne at the right hand of majesty on high, and we see that he is victorious. In fact, 1 Corinthians 15, 54 through 57 says this, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where death is your victory? Where death is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, this is God's whole plan. He knew that you and I were living in defeated lives. He knew that we were going to struggle. He knew that our soul would be downcast inside of us, and he knew that we would want to throw in the towel. We would want to throw up our hands and say, God, it's just not worth it. I'm done. Today's the day that I quit. I can't go any further. But God stepped in, and he said, hold on, wait, 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 wait. You may feel defeated, and, and in the flesh, you know what? We are defeated. Like there's no hope for us in our sin. There's no hope for us in the bondage that ties us to our old way of life. But God said, hold on, there's someone, there's a champion who is going to go to fight for you on your behalf. He's going to take the blows from Satan. He's going to take the blows of sin on the cross. And he's going to take the blows, the best shot that death can give him. And he's going to win time after time after time again. And he will reign and be victorious. And because he's a champion fighting on your behalf, you can live a victorious life. There's no reason to throw in the towel. There's no reason to raise your hands and say, it's just not worth it anymore. I quit. Because Jesus won the victory when we were outmatched. Jesus won the victory, so we have the victory. So, kingdom authority is the secret to living a victorious life. And submission is the secret to kingdom authority. Submission is a secret to kingdom authority. You won't be over anything until you're under authority. In other words, God's not going to give you authority until you submit to his authority. There's a, a true story about Muhammad Ali. Uh, he, he got on a plane one day, and he was sitting in first class, and a flight attendant came to him and, and asked him to buckle his seatbelt as they were nearing takeoff. The flight attendant came back, and Muhammad Ali had not buckled his seatbelt. She said, I'm sorry, Mr. Ali, but you are going to have to buckle your seatbelt. She came back again right before the plane was getting ready to taxi down the runway. And Ali had still not buckled his seatbelt. Mr. Ali, she said, we cannot move this plane until you buckle your seatbelt. And he replied, I don't need to buckle my seatbelt. She said, what do you mean you don't need to buckle your seatbelt? She said, everybody has to buckle their seatbelt. And Muhammad Ali replied, he said, well, 
Superman don't need no seatbelt. The flight attendant was now ticked off. She had had enough. She looked him squarely in the eye and said, Superman don't need a plane either. You know, a man has got to know his limitations. He's got to know. And I think sometimes we don't know what our limitations are. Sometimes we start to feeling pretty good. We start to smell ourselves, and, and God gives us that victory, and he gives us that feeling, and we think that we've done it all on our own, and we think we can kind of start to follow our own rules. But submission is the secret to kingdom authority. Submission is the secret to victory. Look at verses 6, 7, and 8 in Luke chapter 7 again. It says, Jesus went with them, and when he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to tell him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, since I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. I'm just going to break right there real quick. It's interesting. The Jewish elders that he sent to talk to Jesus said, this man is worthy of this because of all the good things he's done. But the centurion knew better. The centurion knew that he was not worthy, but he was appealing to God's grace and to God's mercy. So he said, Lord, don't trouble yourself since I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. That is why I didn't even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man placed under authority, having soldiers under my command. I say to this one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he doesn't. You see, this centurion had people underneath him. He was in charge of them. He had lots and lots of authority. He was well respected in the community. He could probably not only tell his servants what to do, but he could probably ask a lot of the leaders in the community what to do, as, as is shown by he asked the Jewish elders to go to Jesus for him, and they did it. But he also recognizes that just because he has authority doesn't mean that he is the supreme authority. He said, I too am a man under authority. He understood what it meant to be under someone else's authority. Even Jesus Christ himself knew what it was to be under authority. John chapter 17, verse 3 and 4 says this, This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and the one you have sent, Jesus Christ. I have glorified you on the earth by completing the work you gave me to do. You see, Jesus submitted to God the Father. God the Father said, go to earth and do the work. And Jesus said, I will. And he came and he did the work, not that he wanted to do, not that he set out to do, but the work that God the Father sent him to earth to do. The truth of the matter is that you won't amount to anything until you put yourself under the authority of Jesus Christ. Just like Luke 10, 17 said that we looked at earlier, only by being obedient to go out as Jesus commanded did the disciples have authority over the demons. They put themselves under Jesus' authority, and then they received authority by doing so. You know, the Queen of England is a prestigious figure. She looms larger than life. She even has her own palace, which is more than I can say for, for me or pretty much anyone else I know. Uh, there's only one problem. She has no power. She looks good. She looks like one of the most powerful women in the world. But she can't vote in the government, and she can't veto. Her position in her country is one of courtesy. What England does to the queen, we do to the king of kings. We give God verbal recognition. We encase him in beautiful palaces called churches. We've got people coming to pay homage to him. But when it comes to decision-making, 
veto power and voting, we don't need him. We acknowledge his position without giving him the credit for the power that accompanies it. And so in our lives, we can't treat God, we can't treat Jesus like the Queen of England. They're not just some figurehead. They're not just something that's good to say so people think you're a nice person. They're something, they're someone, rather, who we are to submit to, whose authority we are to place ourselves under. You know, authority is linked to obedience. Ray talked about obedience last week. When Mary told the women at the feast, do whatever Jesus tells you, and they did it, and and we talked about how obedience is such a part of what it is to follow Jesus Christ. And authority implies obedience. In our neighborhood group this week, we were talking about the sermon, and uh, we're talking about obedience. My friend Jacob said that when someone is on your heart and on your mind, you just serve them because you want to, not because you feel like you have to. What a profound statement. When one truly considers what God has done, obedience feels less like a chore or a duty and more like a privilege. You know, I don't have to make Christy coffee in the morning, my wife. I I don't have to make her in the morning, but I get to make her coffee in the morning. I get to help her around the house. I get to be with her. You know, I, she chose to love me and to marry me and to stick with me for a little over 20 years now. She didn't have to do any of that. And many of you don't have what I have. Maybe you've lost your spouse to death or divorce or have never married. But yet I've had the opportunity to love and to serve Christy even today. And that's the same thing with God. Like, we have the opportunity to love and to serve the God who loves us so much that he gave his son, Jesus, to die on the cross. We have the opportunity to love and to serve Jesus Christ who did not count equality something with God, something to be grasped, but he humbled himself to the point of death on a cross. And he loves you and me so much that it, it's not a duty, it, it's not like a, a drudgery to serve God. It, it's an honor, and it's a privilege, and it's something that brings life, that's life-giving to us. I'm going to ask you this. Do, do you love Jesus? He loves you. He loves you so much that he, he gave his life for you. He who knew no sin came sin so that we might become righteous. Would you believe that today? Surrendering your life to Jesus replaces the crushed and defeated life that you're living today. And it replaces it with the victorious life that God has for you. Jesus has given us power over Satan, disease, death, and depravity. But you must surrender to him in order to gain his strength. Would you do that very thing today, right now? Would you surrender to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? What's, what's stopping you from doing that? There's no reason to go one day, one month, one minute, one second more living in defeat. If you just feel 
like the world is caving in around you. If you just feel like, man, I can't go on. I, there's, there's no gas left in the tank, and I'm just at a loss. You don't have to live that way anymore. Jesus, right now, is calling you to himself. And he's calling you to live in victory. It's as simple as this. It's as simple as agreeing with God that you're a sinner. I've done this exact thing. I, I admit to God, I agree with him that I'm a sinner. And then it's as simple as believing that Jesus Christ is the son of God who died on the cross for your sins and for my sins and conquered death, raising from the grave three days later. And then repenting. That's simply the Bible's word for for turning away from your sins. And finally, confessing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you do that, the Bible promises you that you will be saved. It promises you that the victory Jesus has over death, the victory that Jesus has over sin, the victory that Jesus has over Satan, it promises you that will be yours. That will be your victory. And you can start the path right now, today, to living a victorious life. This isn't try harder. This isn't do better. This isn't I'm going to be my best self now. This is Jesus Christ did it all. He fought the battle against the sin that I struggle with so much. He fought my fear and my anxiety over death and what could happen to me and my loved ones in this world. He fought Satan who tries so hard to tempt us, deceive us, and destroy us. And he won for you. And today, if you will follow Jesus Christ, make him your Lord and Savior, surrender to him, you will share in that victory. Have you trusted Jesus? Did you do that? Did you just do it right now while I was talking? I hope you did. Look, if you did, we would love to rejoice with you. There's a few things you need to do if you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. First thing is this. You need to thank Jesus for saving you. The more you thank Jesus for saving you, the more the assurance that you've been saved from your sins and that you're living a victorious life grows in your heart. The second thing is you need to tell someone what Jesus has done in your life. Go tell your spouse, go tell your kids, go tell your parents, go tell your pastor, go tell someone what Jesus has just done in your life. Third thing is you need to read your Bible. Uh, I recommend that you start in the book of John. It's an easy book. Um, Start there. Start reading each day. Don't worry about the stuff that you don't understand. Just start obeying what you do understand, and before long, you'll start understanding what you didn't understand. You understand? Yeah, I I think you got it. The fourth thing is plug into a local Bible-believing church. You know, there's, there's three churches represented here, Roxborough Church, West Aiken Church, Watershed Church. We would love for you to plug in with one of our congregations. They're all wonderful, great churches. But maybe you're, you live far away from here. Maybe, maybe for whatever reason, one of our churches is on your thing. But wherever you do, find a good Bible-believing church and connect with them. And let me just tell you right now, like, you can send us an email you can leave a message in the description. Send us a DM. There's emails on the description of this video. Reach out to us. Let us know. If you have any questions, man, we would love to answer those questions. 
If you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we want to rejoice with you and help you in living a victorious life. Let's pray. God, you're amazing. We love you so much. We thank you so much that you've given us a victorious life through your son, Jesus Christ. God, we thank you that you've shown us what it is to be under authority. Jesus himself placed himself under authority. God, the centurion showed that even though he had authority, he was still under authority. And God, we know that we can submit ourselves to you and trust that no matter what, you love us and you have our best interest at heart and that you've won the victory on our behalf. And Lord, we don't have to live defeated lives anymore. God, thank you so much for that. Lord, I pray for any person today who has confessed your son Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. God, that you would settle it and seal it in their hearts by the power of your Holy Spirit. God, that they would reach out uh, to someone to help show them what it is to live a victorious life, to follow Jesus, and to love the way he did. And God, be with us as we all go on our way today, Lord. Inhabit the praises of your people as we sing this last song. God, change our lives. Let us live victorious. We pray all this in Jesus' name and by the power of his blood. Amen. Praise the Lord, everybody. So blessed to know that we have victory in Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57 through 58 says, But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. But here is the challenge. It says, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. So I challenge you to press forward and to stand firm for Jesus, for we have the victory in Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you. Friends, thanks so much for tuning in for this morning's United Worship Service. We hope that you were blessed and encouraged. We will see you back here next Sunday at 9 a.m. Grace and peace. Thank you for listening to our weekly podcast. We pray it was life-giving. To find out more about us, visit our website at rocksboroughchurch.org and join us for worship on Sundays at 10.30 a.m.